This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. It is Oscar Sunday edition, because I assume nothing else is going on, so <laughs> we're just going to talk about the Oscars. Is that right, Casey? We are all about... How many want to say the word gold? <laughs> it hurts. Oh, damn it. There it was. It's already ruined. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Casey Bartley. And I'm drinking a Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Spark. It's a what? Fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's like a raspberry lemonade. Why? I don't know. I I wanted to try it and I what bought it. What is Mountain Dew doing? It's they're just throwing a bunch of flavors at the wall and seeing what hits. And it's some of them do and some of them don't. Because they know you guys are a captive audience. It's like it's Mountain Dew flavors and weed, and they just they know that they can name it whatever and flavor it whatever, and you guys are all gonna toke up on it. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm not a weed guy myself, so I can't speak to that, but. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's the same way. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe know. you, you know, how because you were so natural saying weed guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just slide right into the drug talk. Oh, you kids are doing the weed? That's cool. Yeah, all the kids are smoking the weed around here. It's cool, kids. I have a bag of the weed in my, in my sock drawer. It's where sock I keep my, the weed. For flavor. Yes, for flavor. Well, it's an aroma, of course. It's very nice. <laughs> Makes my socks smell nice. Ugh. If you cannot tell, we're doing everything we can to talk about the St. <laughs> Peter's game. Um, so obviously, we're going to cover this uh, loss to St. Peter's 67-64 in the Sweet 16. And uh, Casey and I, of course, were in attendance. Casey came and stayed at my place. We drove up to Philly together. Uh, had a nice, nice little lunch. Uh, really good. At this little cafe. Shout out Green Egg Cafe. Gre- yeah, I think it's Green Eggs. I think it's plural. Um, yep. I think it was the, yeah the Green Eggs Cafe. I didn't have any eggs, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's true. I didn't either. Um, but it was very good. Uh, we were lucky enough before the game, we, you know, we picked up our credentials and for those of you who've not been to either a baseball, basketball or football game in Philly, uh, all the stadiums are right next to each other. And there is something called the Xfinity live center that is right in the middle of them. And it's basically just uh, a setup of some, a bunch of bars and restaurants all in this two story kind of building Mm -hmm. with outside patios. Uh, for a couple of the bars, and that's where the pep rallies for each one of the schools was. So we were able to go and hang out with some folks at the Purdue pep rally, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's good to be around all those Purdue fans, especially because the first thing Casey and I saw when we walked in there was the St. Peter's pep rally, uh, yeah. and there were a lot more people there than we thought there were going to be. That is true. Uh, a lot of St. Peter's fans. Um, the good memories stopped there. I guess we should have... Uh... just stayed there and drank more rum yes yeah i think it would have been a good plan like in retrospect of course we couldn't know that at the time um hey yeah but (laughs) just a a couple highlights of the xfinity live uh two north carolina fans uh walked out of the saint peter's pep rally and had just taken shirts (laughs) uh 
Uh, and they were like, nobody's watching the door. You can just take these shirts. So they were clearly going to go and, cheer on St. Peter's. And we both uh, didn't take the shirts, even though it would have been a cool shirt to have. Yes. But we didn't take it because we thought it would give us bad juju. Yeah, tempting fate. Tempting fate. Well. Uh, <laughs> so we tried to do everything we could. And then the uh, the other cool thing, or at least notable thing, there is an entire restaurant in this place that only serves one thing. Casey, what is that one thing? Giant pizza. No. This has become my fishbowl of this trip. <laughs> when I went to with Juan to the uh, to the NCAA tournament in Detroit, he took me to this bar that had like delicious tacos and food, and they had a fishbowl drink, and he wouldn't let me order the fishbowl. And then at the end, when we had to go back because my dumbass forgot my uh, credit card at a bar, as we're walking out, we stopped by this giant pizza place again, which just has this delicious. The pizza's bigger than a tire, like. 20 it's like 40 inch pizza just huge and you wouldn't let me get a slice on the way out no 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 let's not play victim here i'm gonna play a victim we lost to st peter's i didn't want to eat any pizza at that point uh you're a grown-ass adult you could have (laughs) ordered whatever you wanted i was not stopping you i just said i didn't want one okay i was gonna be at my lowest point ever eating that giant slice of pizza Uh, like grease crying into it and i needed a partner there to eat it with me and you said no pizza i thought we you said you stress ate that's how you dealt with things no i I thought great during games yeah well afterwards too and we could (laughs) have had this giant pizza and had a moment together this and we it and we lost to st peter's it's true yeah so casey and i in the arena do you want to give a shout out to the uh the fans of Hammer and Rails we saw at the uh, yeah. pregame show? Because that was the only good memories of the day. Well, I mean, I also saw three people that I graduated Purdue with, so talking to them was fun as Did well. Did they not read Hammer and Rails? I honestly don't know. Wow. I honestly don't know. Wow. They don't uh, sound like very good friends in Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, shout out to the uh, readers of Hammer and Rails. We got some comments um, about how they you know, they like following us. They appreciate our, our – uh, uh, tweets. They they like the site. Uh, we specifically got some shout outs for the articles that Drew does uh, when he takes a look at plays both in football and basketball season and kind of breaks them down uh, and shows, you know, what exactly happened, where the action was and where the where the things that you maybe don't see if you have kind of a, a layman's knowledge about sports. So shout out to Drew on that one. He's got some fans out there. We also um, got rum drinks. We also, yeah, we had, we met some folks and they were nice enough to buy us some drinks. Uh, so that was fun just to kind of stand around and, and just chat with Purdue fans. So that really was, I mean, w- probably the highlight uh, of the trip was to just go and, and hang out with all these other Purdue fans because the only other Purdue game, uh, basketball game I've been to this year was, you know, Incarnate Word. And there wasn't a lot of like milling around <laughs> with other Purdue fans at that game. So uh, it was a good experience, um, you know, pregame, but. I think uh, we've wasted uh, just about all the time we can. I, I what was the Twitter handle? Mega Maga? Not Maga. Uh, no, not, not Maga. Maga. Not Maga. Uh, Mega Haji. Mega Haji. And then I know uh, Jim w- was the other. I, I just want to I want to live in that moment before the game happened. It was okay. His Twitter handle is just Mega Haji, but That's his right. his name is the Mega Haji. There we go. Mega um, Haji. Uh, Jim was I think the first guy we struck yeah, the conversation I with. So. And he was wearing a very, very cool uh, Purdue he hockey, the hockey jersey. Yeah, he had the hockey, uh, the hockey pullover. Mad jealous. Yeah, it was, it was a good look. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I'm not sure I know where to even buy that, but it, it was good looking. Wait, yeah. Shout out. Glad you guys uh, were there. I guess beforehand. <laughs> I, I don't know how to. It's like how do you you met up for something like before the grieving? Like it would have made 
it would be easier to handle if we met afterward. We were also hopeful and young then. Yes, those those were earlier <laughs> times. That was past Casey and past Andrew with their Coach head Brom in the was there. Yeah, we saw Coach Brom. Marching of course, band. The cheer, cheerleaders were there. The, the Boiler Brass, not Appar- the marching band. Apparently, uh, the French horn looks different now. They changed it. <laughs> All of life is a lie and everything disappoints. It's true. It's true. Have so, a good night, folks. Yep, and that's it for us. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Um, So, the game... I mean, it was basically bad for Purdue from start to finish. Uh, we looked sloppy in the first half, wound up with only 33 points in the first half, somehow went into the half with a lead, four-point yeah, lead. no idea. Um, but, I mean, the offense was just clunky. We were turning the ball over. I believe we had nine turnovers in the first half, and we could not find a rhythm in any way. And, Casey, we talked about this. I mean, we talked about this after the game. We talked about it on the ride home. We talked about it the next day. <laughs> Um, you know, no one on Purdue looked comfortable on offense. Uh-huh. No one on Purdue really took control of the game. Uh-huh. Um, Trey had a small window. Yeah, yeah. Purdue's leading scorer was Trevion Williams, 16 points, 8 rebounds. And he had a moment there in the second half where I think he scored uh, 8 straight points for Purdue. Um, I think he's he's the only one that you can probably give a pass to because he only had 16 points. But at least three of those in a row should have been and ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have changed a little bit of the field of the game if they weren't literally able to just mug him inside yeah but i mean in fairness he was also seven of 15 from the floor he didn't play great (laughs) so i mean 16 points on 15 shots not really what you want especially from a guy who plays uh in the lane yeah because he was really bad in the first half like he didn't come out on fire we we saw him come out on fire in the first two games of the tournament both games high energy and that's not what we got But yeah, you're right. Like the one thing we keep coming back to is just, it was amazing that none of our guys had a good game. We, we, I, I've been thinking all day about, you know, what to say in this moment. We've, we, me personally said, I don't want to do this yesterday. Yeah. We were were in person. We were going to record in person together. uh, And then it was Casey was just like, I just don't want to. I I don't want to. I didn't (laughs) want to. I, I still don't want to have this conversation, but I have had an extra day to think about it. And it was, it's just, we had this conversation uh, very early on in the season. If one of our guys has a good game, we're going to win. Yep. Two yep. of our guys have a good game, we're going to blow them out. Three of our guys have a good game, we're going to look like the best team in the country. And if none of our guys in the game, we're still so good that we're in it. And we were. Yeah, I mean, We lost you, by three points. Looking at Purdue's season as a whole, do you think this was the worst game we played? Um, I mean, the Michigan game stands out. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think if we were playing anyone besides St. Peter's, we would have lost by 20 points. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Because um, St. Peter's is, as we saw today when they went up against North Carolina, that's not a good offense. They, they well, don't no, have I mean, guys it, that can score the ball. And we held them to 67 points. Yeah, but held like, is well, a strong word. <laughs> held for yeah, us. Yeah, no, because we gave defense. them a lot of free throws. I mean, they were 19-21 from the free throw line. They outshot us at the free throw line. Which is almost unheard of this season for Purdue. It should, like... I don't know how to address the refing issue because everyone wants to beat around the bush like it's a 15 seed. You're not allowed to complain about the refs. If it were called even halfway towards the Texas game or halfway towards the Yale game or even a normal Big Ten game, we win the game. Yeah. Um, it's it's so strange because I, I said something along those lines on the right. tw- on, on Twitter. Um, I said, you know, folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't think NC- – and this was before the game was over. I, I said something along the lines of, you know, folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't think NCAA officials are very good at their jobs. Yeah. And then when the game ended, 
uh, I, I before the game ended, I said, man, I really wish Trevion uh, would get some of these calls. He's getting hacked down low, and we're not getting the calls. And people are like, you can't complain. Look how many free throws you I, shot in the last game. Yeah, and I the don't Rev, understand. Rev, no, it's not. Literally, I, we, again, this is another thing we talked about on the road. It's The refs didn't lose Purdue, cause Purdue to lose this game. Purdue lost this game because Purdue played bad. Purdue turned the ball right. over, um, you know, didn't 15. take care of things on offense. But the fact of the matter is it, the refs doing a terrible job shouldn't advantage one team or another. And it really exactly. seemed to me like St. Peter's got an advantage because of the way they were able to play defense on our big men down low, which if you, in, you know, if you call the game how it should be called, Purdue will get those free throws and right. Purdue will put more points on the board. And it changes the way St. Peter's plays defense because their guys are in foul trouble, fouling out maybe in, in addition to in, um, their, the one guy who did foul out um, in Defo. So their it, best it just, player. Yeah, their best player. It changes the entirety of the game. So to, to say the refs had no impact would just be not fair. Yeah, St. Peter's got to play a different brand of basketball than Purdue did. There's no way around that. Um, Trevion Williams, those back-to-back plays, he made both shots. But one, he literally got wrapped around. Yeah. And finished through it and just no call. Um, you don't want to harp on it because they're a 15 seed, and I guess that means they're supposed to get the advantage. I, yeah. I, I don't understand how... How to have this conversation like with grown adults because they're not going to be grown adults about it. They're going to be like, yeah. no, you want in about the rest? Yes, we play a style where we don't foul, which is part of our problem. We did give them yeah, free yeah. how it's how, we, it's how we give up so many points. It's how we lost. Yeah, We gave either eight free throw attempts. Most of them like just bad plays by Sasha. There's no way around it. Mason Gillis, awful foul at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the game, we, again, awful foul. <laughs> just – the last probably, I don't know, two or three minutes, Sasha committed two fouls away from the ball yep. um, that sent St. Peter's to the line. So total of four free throws. I believe he made all four. Um, and then Gillis, as as they, Purdue was down just two um, with just two seconds left on the shot clock, loose ball, Gillis dives for it, uh, gets called for a foul with two seconds on the shot clock, sends St. Peter's to the line. They connect on both. Following that, then Jaden Ivey hits that three to put Purdue down just one. So you have to imagine ball on the ground with just two seconds left on the shot clock. They're not getting anything off. No. Um, so you have and, to be smarter in that situation and not foul. So Purdue gave them not only just a free possession, but also basically made it a two, two possession points. game. Yeah. Made it a two yep. possession game, two points to four. How many times this season have I complained to you and said, Mason Gillis hustles his ass off, but he does it with his head up there as well. Yeah. He's going to hurt one of our players. Oh, he dislocated Sasha's finger. Oh, he's going to lose his possessions because he runs into guys. And we've seen that all year. And then all of a sudden, in the biggest moment, he thinks that diving into someone's knee is the right play. And it's just not. It's not a smart basketball play. And the thing is, refs are calling that game, and that's bad on them. But also, St. Peter's said, okay, we're going to meet this moment. Yeah. And you can call it or not. We're going to be there. Well, and Purdue and did, wasn't. It almost seemed like St. Peter's knew they right. reacted to how the game was being called. Correct. Whereas Purdue just basically said, we're going to play how we're going to play. And we hope that the refs will catch up to what is going on. And, you know, we're going to stubbornly continue to play this way because we believe that things will even out in the end in our favor. Um, but St. Peter's was like, hey, we're getting away with it. We're going to keep doing it. And I don't really know what that says about the way we play and about Matt Painter, but there's certainly something to be read into that. There is. I don't want to get too broad into the big picture yet. I think we'll save that for the second half. Yeah. 
Um, but there's obviously little trails in this game of, you know, things we saw all season. And at the end of the day, we are playing a 15 seed that just put up 49 points to a team we beat earlier this season. Beat by double digits. It's it's a problem. And at some point, this team in particular, just it's a little too much for coincidence, which is, I think is the heartbreaking point because we all kind of sold us on this narrative of, okay, we've been waiting for March. We've been waiting for this. And it was a combination of things we can't control, the ref, the way the game was called. And I guess you can say shots going in or not is something you can't super control. Obviously, we didn't shoot well. We were 5 of 21 from three. Uh, that's bad. Uh, yeah. Guys who shot the ball really well all season, Mason Gillis, Eric Hunter, both of them went 0 for 3 from three. The bench production. Ivey, one for six. Right. That's like not too out there. Like it's pretty. Like, I mean, he was shooting like 40% for most of the year. Uh, for the first half. First half. Yeah, but I mean. He's been pretty bad lately from three. He's been better than 16%. Yes. It, it was not good. We've also got bench production for the first two games of the tournament. And for the first time this season, I think we're both going to say Ethan Morton was terrible. Yeah. He was well, really I mean, he... bad. And he was only out there four minutes, right. but uh, it was not a good four minutes for I, sure. I question not bringing him back and giving him another chance, but he was I really bad too. in that first I do too. half. Like, he was bad. Um, Isaiah Thompson played 13 minutes once again. Uh, gave us why? offensive production, got five points, but you and I commented as we were sitting next to each other at press row, there were, at least, there were at least three buckets that got scored on him. Uh, almost immediately after he would come into the game. Um, I, I know of at least one was a three-pointer. Um, and then the I, one at the end of the first half. Yes, that one too. Which, why is he out there for a final possession on defense? Yeah, I don't know. You feel like you would want your length in that, especially given the time. But um, I don't believe there was a stoppage to get him out. That, that um, could be. But, I mean, Painter could have used the timeout also. Um, I'm not sure I, if he – I don't I don't know what timeout situation was at that point. But uh, – Having those two points back sure would have changed the complexion of the game, though. Yeah, and just, like, at some point you have to have a a real conversation about someone who is a tiny point guard and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's been nine games since Isaiah Thompson had an assist. That can, is outrageous. Can you guess what his high of assist is in a game? On like the career season? or this on the year? Season. On the season? Five. Four. It Ooh. was in the very first game of the season against Bellarmine. Two games after that against Wright State, he had three. Didn't get over to any other single game the rest of the season. Oh, that's that's he's not a point ideal. guard, and, and he was the and he was the starting point guard for a long time. Yeah, he's had one, two, three, four games in his career, three full seasons, four games where he's had more than two assists. Wait, what? Four games in his entire career, three years of playing where he's had more than two assists in a game. That can't be right. I'm looking at it right now. He had <laughs> one game his true freshman year. It was against Jacksonville State. You're going to notice a trend on these games. His second season, he had... Uh, by the way, that was... Oh, I missed one. Sorry. Oh, I missed two. Ah, see. He had two three-assist games. One against Iowa and Rutgers that first year. His second season, he had one game. Against Oakland, the third game in the season where he had six assists. That's a career high. This year... He had four against Bellarmine and three against Wright State. This is just above two assists for a point guard. Yeah, it's not great. It's who's not continuously great. played around 20 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, 
he's not, not scoring the ball. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's not much to say about that. Um, there's one more player I think from Purdue that we have to at least mention. Um, you know, Jaden Ivey had himself a very bad ball game. Uh, four of twelve from the floor, one for six from three. He did grab eight rebounds, two assists, but he turned the ball over six times. Um, it's just he he's the guy who when we looked at March. We talked about all year on this podcast. If you want to go far in March, you got to have a guard that can take over a game, that can get you a bucket when it's crunch time, that can get you a bucket when your offense is stalled and you're looking around and your guys are grabbing their shorts and they're tired and you're down by a point. You need to get yourself back in the ball game. Jaden Ivey had been that guy for a lot of games this year. Um, he'd also had games where he turned the ball over a lot and didn't look particularly good. It happens. You know, you're you're a college basketball player. You play a lot of games. You're going to have bad games. It is just really unfortunate that Jaden Ivey had a very bad game in the biggest game of his career. And what will, barring some unforeseen, un, you know, unlikely uh, event. <laughs> He's not coming will, back, Lemon. Will be hit. No, I know. I'm he saying gone. unless, I know. unless something uh, catastrophic happened, this was his last game as a Purdue Boilermaker. And he's going to walk away with nine points and eight rebounds on four of 12 shooting. Um, you know, he played 36 minutes. So, you know, we, we tried to get everything we could out of him. But he he just he couldn't deliver on, on this biggest stage. And that's unfortunate for him. And it's unfortunate for Purdue. But, uh, I mean, it, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. I'm going to ask you a question. I think we should go to break afterwards because I think. Wait, do you want me to answer? I do want you to answer, okay? Because I think um, this discussion is going to lead us into the big picture. Okay. Do you think we can have a conversation about Jaden Ivey's game without mentioning Coach Painter? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. No, no, they're. I mean, they're related. I agree. I agree yeah. tenfold, and I think that brings us into the big picture of what happened to this game, and what keeps happening is we are now one and four in Sweet Sixteen. One and five, I think. One and five, yeah. even worse. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So as Casey mentioned uh, right before we went to break, we kind of wanted to look at like a bigger picture of what this means for this team, what this means for Purdue, what this means for head coach Matt Painter. And Casey, you sent me um, a tweet earlier that I I think is important to read. Um, It was written or it was sent by J Reader four five. And that's Reader R-E-E-D-E-R four five. Uh, Love this Purdue team, but let's be honest, they showed us all year who they were under pressure, but we didn't want to see it because of potential. I want First everyone game... to pay attention to this part because that is the right way to phrase it. That's the right sentiment. sentiment. And then you're going to read, the, you're going to hear this list and you're probably going to need to sit down. First game ranked number one, loss. First Wisconsin game, loss. IU streak, loss. At University of Michigan, loss. Wisconsin to share Big Ten title. Loss. Big Ten Tournament Championship game. Loss. Wide open NCAA Sweet 16. Loss. Is he wrong anywhere in that tweet? No. I don't think that he is. 
it kind of shakes you, doesn't it? Yeah, honestly, when you sent that, I was like, oh my god, that's absolutely true. So, I mean, the pieces were there on this team to make a good run. You know, we won twenty nine. Hold on, hold games. on. You're you're telling me a top five NBA pick guard, <laughs> a senior point guard, a All American off your bench, the most efficient scorer in the country, a forty plus percent power forward, and in theory, the best shooter in the Big Ten. Brought in Mr. Indiana off the bench, and then Mr. Pennsylvania off the bench. You're telling me that squad is meant to have success? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. So you're saying (laughs) that squad getting to go up against the 15 seed to get to the Elite Eight is good. Yeah, and we didn't, we haven't mentioned it really in this conversation. I know we mentioned in the past, but it makes it, this loss, all the more maddening that Purdue found themselves in the Sweet 16 against a 15 seed. Um, A 15 seed, of course, never made it to the Elite Eight uh, until today. And waiting on them, uh, should they have won that game, would have been North Carolina, a team Purdue beat by double digits earlier in the year. Now, Hmm. we don't know what would have happened if the two would have met again. Um, North Carolina looks better a little bit. Definitely a better team. No no doubt. We played them, but we know their tendencies. We've seen them play. Maybe we uh, put our best foot forward. Maybe we see ourselves in the Final Four. But because of, again, the... I don't know if it was the weight of the potential, the weight of the expectations. Um, this Purdue team just fell flat on their face every time I have, um, I have a they couple had a real yes big no, opportunity. I have a couple yes-no questions. Okay. Is Jaden Ivey better now than he was at the start of this season? We both agree that he was better last season, or from last season, right? Correct, yes. Is he better at the end of the season than he was at the start? No. Is his usage to you better than it was at the start of the season? No. Okay. Is Zach Eady better at the end of the season than the start of the season? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, do you think our rotation is better at the end of the season than it was the start of the season? Um, I would say it got better, yes. We, Compared we certainly... to like what we did in the Big Ten tournament? <laughs> well, you know. I, I think Jay Nivey is the spectrum that we have to view this through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as I said, he was the guy who was supposed to lead us to you know the final four and beyond. He is the the guard who you look at and you say this is not a guy that Purdue has had very often. So when we do, we need to take advantage of it. And we certainly have a team built around him that should do it. But for whatever reason, as you said, and I assume you agree with me that it doesn't appear that Jaden Ivey has gotten much better from the beginning of his sophomore season to now. No. Um. Do you think that's more damning on him or Coach Painter? I, without knowing anything that's gone on behind the scenes or in practice, it's hard to pinpoint who that's on. But he, I think he, you, uh, you have to at least put part of the blame on each of them. Sure. Except, how good was Ivy at the beginning of the season? I mean, he's very good. And he's still really good. Yes, absolutely. Doesn't mean he can't be better. He could be better. Do you feel like Painter set him up to get the most out of him by the end of the season? I think that's a difficult question, and I I'll tell you why. I think it's unequivocally no, and I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> no, here's what I'll tell you. Um, Drew, who I think we might have on uh, later to talk about this, uh, later in the offseason, because, mm. you know, we got to fill some time, folks, let's be honest. Um, he mentioned that, really, um, Ivy on the offensive end, unless he had the ball in his hand, he really wasn't getting easy buckets. You Correct. know, guys like Sasha, guys like Hunter would make some great cuts, get an easy layup. We didn't really see a whole lot of that from Ivy. Now, 
is that on Painter for not designing an offense that allows him to be the one who gets those buckets? Or is that on Ivy for not going hard through those cut, making his cuts hard, going around screens, going through screens, you know, working through the right. offense as hard as he can when he's not the one with the ball? Um, because I think we've seen a lot of him not really being as engaged when he's not the one with the ball. Um, At the it, same time, he took six shots inside the arc. We run a lot of stuff designed to get our ball, ball handlers the ball on the move on like a dribble handoff with our big men. Mm-hmm. But maybe 30 to 40% of that goes to Ivy. And it sometimes feels like we just spread it around to spread it around. If you have a talent like Ivy, and we saw this in a couple of the games, uh, the first game with Michigan comes to mind where we were struggling. We were struggling to get anything going consistently. And they were doing a good job defending us. And the Illinois game, this was the case as well. We just gave Ivy the keys and ran a high pick and roll. And it worked. It didn't feel like that was something that Painter decided was a thing to go to today. Not today. Um, Friday. Again, St. Peter's. I, we know. We know. And that just feels weird. And it feels weird how often this season our offense was pre-designed to get the ball in the hands of other players to get them a better position. And I just wonder, it when we went up against Michigan in the Elite Eight, Carson Edwards what? did not take good shots. Wait, hold on. Against who? Virginia. Okay. Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah. They weren't what you would call design plays or good shots, but he made them because that's what he does. Right. I don't know. It's hard, but Ivy is the kind of player that needs space, and I don't, I don't remember us running anything where we just gave him half the side of the court. Uh, where we got him the ball on the move ahead of time before St. Peter's can set up their D. The one thing you can say, St. Peter's plays really good defense. Everyone rotates. They're on a line. Uh, Shaheen Holloway did a great job coaching him that way. Uh, the, by the way, breaking news just came through. Uh, Shaheen Holloway has, is finalizing the deal <laughs> to become the next head coach at Seton Hall. Congrats. So we saw that coming. Yeah. I just, it concerns me that we have a talent like that. And are we too focused inside? Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. Because um, I, I think we both, I think we would both agree that our offense is the most dangerous. Those quick runs happen when we're in transition, we're cutting through, and when Jaden Ivey was finding shooters on the outside. And I don't think it's a coincidence that part of our shooting went down when we started to bang in the post even more. And you know, Ivy created a couple of looks late that we missed, and that's on us. But yeah, good I, looks, good, good, very good looks. in the corner. And I think I think we have to say this because there's there was a narrative spinning that Trey said, you know, certain people didn't take this game seriously enough and people are drawing lines to Jaden Ivey. Trey Williams is a fourth year senior who still is a big man who can't fucking run a pick and roll. (laughs) And it's ridiculous. One of the uh, turnovers that Ivey had was him getting up in the air because he got trapped by two guys and Trey took one step and stopped. And that's on him. And he wants to get mad at Ivy on that, but Trey did that all season. When this offense was buzzing most, it was Edie and Ivy running a pick and roll because Edie knows just cut hard to the hoop and Ivy will find you if he doesn't find another shot. And Trey was unwilling to play that game because he wants the ball in his hand and decide everything. And I think that needs to be like, everyone wants to give Ivy flat because he has the turnovers and because he tries to get all this stuff. Trey never made Jaden Ivy's life easier at all. And that's on him because he never learned. He doesn't, he is a wide body and he sets the worst screens on the team. 
consistently because he doesn't want to do it. And when you're a senior, you should what you should get the same amount of weight put on your shoulder for that that Ivy does for a turnover. And Trey doesn't do it. He never did. Never wanted to because he wants the ball in his hand. Yeah, I just I, think that needs to be said. I think anytime you put a team together, especially a team that has expectations to go very far in the tournament, you know, win titles, get to a Final Four, what whatever your goal is. Painter recruited guys who are very good. There's no debating that. He got guys who are ranked highly. He got guys who were ranked low but turned out to be very damn good. Uh, Zach Eady, of course, being pretty high up on that list. Same with Sasha Tefanovic. When you recruit guys like this and put them on a team, you're invariably going to have people who believe they are the best player. Correct. They're, the problem becomes when you get too many of those players on one team and they have personalities that don't you know, mix with one another and that can show itself on the court. I don't think you or I know for certain if there is anything going on behind the scenes, but it's you not can... a, it's not like a person thing. It's not a personality no, thing. It's... No, 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 no. But I mean, I think when you have players who want the ball, when you have two players who want the ball and you play them at the same time, invariably someone's going to be frustrated and that can play itself out in a number of different ways. Most of them not good for the team. Um, and maybe that is what we saw this year, but I just I don't think we have enough information to know that that was the case, but it certainly seems to have manifested itself like that at times. I don't I don't need to draw that broad thing. Just are you doing everything on the court to make everyone on the court better? And we want to say because Trey's a good passer that he does, but he doesn't. Because if he wanted that to be the case, he would set hard screens. He would be willing to do more stuff away from the ball. The reason why we liked Ethan Morton so much. And part of it is limitation. He's not going to be great with the ball and create things. But everything he does on the floor is designed to make other players better. The reason why we like Eric Hunter Jr., everything he does makes everyone else's life easier on the court. Jade Ivey and Trey Williams, they don't. I'm going to say pretty equally. Yeah. Ivey gets caught up trying to do a little too much. But he's also a pretty willing passenger we've seen. When he gets the space to operate, there's not many times where there's an open guy in the corner he didn't kick it to. True. True. Um, you know, as we said, as the second half progressed, he kicked it, I think, on at least three corner threes that Purdue just did not connect on. And they were wide open looks. And again, Purdue finished this game five of 21 from three. And when you lose by three, each one of those takes on an even greater importance. Yeah, it's there's there's two questions to be really, really great. Are you capable of making everybody's job on the court easier? And then the second one, are you willing to? And Trey and Jaden, they're two of the guys on our team that click yes to that first box, and they didn't click yes every time on the second one. And that's just, we, we want to talk about this team as all this potential in the world, and they did because they had the talent. But, you know, Carson Edwards was there, what, three years? Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time not being the number one option, even when he should have been. And he kind of learned that role, and that team needed him to shoot every time. And his co-star was Ryan Klein, who spent three years being the most underutilized player in the country. And those guys stepped up when they needed to, did what they needed to, did everything to make everyone else on the court's life easier. And our two best players, which if you're going to define by who's on the court and who has the ball in the last four minutes, I think they both failed that test. And I think, honestly, if we're being honest, I think at times Trey failed more than even Ivy. But Ivy catches all the slack. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Uh, Because... Ivy, 
you know, had such great expectations on him and he, he met them and then some at times. Whereas Trevion Williams, you return an All-American and yes, part of it can be attributed to Zach Eady playing so great, but right. you, you want your All-American center slash, you know, forward, whatever he wants to be labeled as, to be able to come out here and dominate a game and you want him to be able to do it consistently. And I know a lot was said about how Trey, you know, did everything he could for the team because he he took going to the bench and letting Edie start. But to me, like, if you're Trey, you should fight to get that starting spot back. And it should be shown. You should, he should have been able to show it every time he went out on the court. Like, hey, I'm better than him. He's my teammate. I love him. We're going to work together. We're going to give you 40 minutes of great center play. But I'm the one who deserves to be out here. You remember, I'm the one who should start. Do you remember the start of the Yale game? Yes. How aggressive and quick and just everything he was doing was sharp, pass, pass, pass. Attack the hoop. Everything. Same thing yep. with Texas? Yep. Did you see that Friday with no. St. Peter's? Did you see it every game this season? Not every game, no. He plays 20 minutes a game. Why? Why is that? I just... I don't want to shit on him. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do here. But I think we're everyone is very easy to jump on Ivy, and they like to do it. And even Edie caught flag, who, yeah, five turnovers? Guess what? He got hit just as hard as Trey did. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. We A lot of this is on Coach Painter, too. Well, see, I was going to get to <laughs> yeah. that, but I think with the amount of time we've already gone, I don't think we have time to get into the Painter discourse. So what I'd like to do that's fair. Uh, is finish this one up. And then the next podcast, talk about the Coach Painter discourse and what this season and really this failure of an ending here means for him and, and what he has to do going forward. Um, so that's what I'd like to do. I, I think that's correct because it is a very – It's a long conversation. Very long, very difficult conversation. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I want to go back to that tweet because I love this team. I think we both love this team. Yeah. I think we love every player on it. And it's just such a disappointing ending because in theory, on paper, in little moments that we've seen, this team was supposed to be and could have been so much more. And they just weren't. And it's hard to say we didn't. We should have saw some of it coming because they really did kind of show us who they were in the tough moments. And we didn't want to believe it. Well, yeah. And but the thing is, we, we had every reason to think those were just moments right. rather than who they were because you look at like the way we played in that nc state game terrible right but they fought back they found out who they were got into that game ended up winning the game against illinois the second half where they played just to perfection to absolutely what they were capable of doing the game against villanova where they outlasted a really tough opponent who now is in the Final Four mm -hmm. um, and really showed that they can take these top teams. The game against North Carolina in that same tournament, another team who now is in the Final Four, who Purdue beat, you saw them face adversity, you saw them overcome it, and you saw them wind up winning by double digits. Um, Purdue, more often than not this year, Purdue beat Purdue. You know, Correct. Purdue turned the ball over, Purdue missed dozens of shots that they should have made. Um, that doesn't fall on any one person. It falls on pretty much anybody on this team, anybody and everybody in this team. And it's weird because somebody said something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it a little bit on Twitter. Is would you rather lose, you know, this way to St. Peter's, or would you have rather played, you know, Kentucky in this game and lost by 15? I'd rather and, have lost to Kentucky. Yeah, I, I think that's my answer too. But like, they're both 
it, it's weird because it's the same outcome. You, I would still have rather lost and lost, playing but, well. <laughs> I mean, yes, ideally. You can but. lose games playing well. We've I lost mean, games playing well. Yeah, I mean, that's like when you look at the, the Virginia game with Carson Klein, that game hurts. I mean, it still hurts to this yeah. day. But you can't look back at that game and say Purdue lost because Purdue played bad. Correct. Virginia played out of their mind. So did Purdue. And yeah. That was and, probably the best college basketball game I've ever seen played. Both sides. Yeah. I mean, it, it was phenomenal. And this was um, the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, this was terrible. Um, it was I, hard to watch. It was difficult. The offense was bad. Purdue, you know, didn't score in the second half for about five and a half minutes. Twice. And then went then went another five and a half minutes from about something like eight minutes to three in the second half. Like two without a, another field goal. Yeah, to a man, if someone asked you if Purdue played well, could St. Peter's beat them in any scenario? And the answer is no. If we played it well in any way, there's no way they could beat us. And yet here we sit, ready to losers. go watch the Oscars. Losers said, again. Uh, <laughs> instead Seriously, of, losers uh, again. Little sneak yeah. peek for the painter talk. Yeah. We did it again. And we've done it in every way fashionable at some point. And there's one common denominator. So I don't know where it hangs right now. But I think it's pretty sure at this point, sometimes you have relationships with people where if you still want them in your life, the one thing you can do to be even remotely sane is you have to ex- you have to change expectations for that person and you have to create it to where you depend nothing on them. And I don't know, Man, that's maybe we're dark. there. It's getting dark. So, it, but that's what that's, it feels like, right? There's yeah. no, there's no good analogy. Cause you just want to say it's sports and whatever, but like, you can't tell me you like, you have a son. I got I to meet him finally. Uh, <laughs> great kid. Like if you know, he's 10 years old and like has a hard heart with you about rooting for Purdue, <laughs> you're not going to, uh, like, there's going to be some caveats with this conversation. Like, yeah, root for Purdue, but at the same time, you're going to be able to do that with a super clear conscience? Yeah, maybe find a backup school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you should root for Purdue, but you should go somewhere else so you can say you have another fandom. Right, there you go. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we've we've said all to be said about St. Peter's. Like I said, um, I want to save the Painter conversation for our next podcast yeah. because I think it's going to be a long conversation, and I want to be able to have it a little further out from this game because I think, you know, as silly as it is, you know, it is just sports like you said, but we we get into these things. We wrap our identities in this a bit. You know, Casey and I, even though this isn't what we do for a living, it's what we do as a side gig. You know, we do get <laughs> we paid. We live and die by it. <laughs> yeah, we, and it matters to us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's silly. Um, it matters to a lot of people. Um, it's a – as much as we would – you know, maybe prefer it to be all amateurs for some people, what they would love it to go back to. This is a this is a multi-billion dollar business with mm-hmm. billion dollar TV contracts, people getting rich off this game. And it's it's just weird to look at this and know that it does impact how we feel about things and, and how we go about our day. It, it's really silly if you think about it. Um, but I, I'm I'm not at the point in my life really where I've I acknowledge that it's silly but it still impacts me at the end of the day. If we would have won, like if Ivy would have made that second three and gone to overtime, the high we would have all felt walking out there. Or if we won that and then went in and beat North Carolina again. And instead of right now being on a podcast, we were out at the Xfinity live center with a bunch of Purdue fans being like, we're going to get that pizza now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that high, like that's a legit high. Cause this has meant something for us for a long time. And you know, if you talk to Cubs fans after the world series, right. Even if it doesn't make up in terms of like days spent, you know, commiserating over your team, when you pop that valve off and it happens, it happens like there's nothing better than that. Yeah. 
And uh, I, it's sports, but like it's more than sports. It's whatever their shared experiences that we all go through. Everything's made up and nothing matters. Yeah, to go back to our theme from earlier in the year. <laughs> Which theme was that? When you said that about uh, you said that about some game, I can't remember, and <laughs> use that as the podcast headline. But oh, with, the points are all made up and none of yeah, it matters. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, there's one thing I think I want to leave you with that ties in perfectly to what you just said. Um, a friend of mine who I, I went to high school with uh, and middle school, I've, I've known her for years. Um, really great person, one of my best friends, um, is a Texas fan. So. Oh, we texted before the game. And then afterwards, you know, she was nice enough to say, you know, I think you guys have got a really good team. I, I think you can, you know, make some do some damage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so she texted me Friday after the game uh, and said and said this, you know, it sucks. Maybe when it happens, uh, your son will be old enough to appreciate it with you. Sadly, Texas football sucks so bad. That's all I tell myself. And I responded, you know, hey, I'd much rather be a Duke or North Carolina fan where every year we have a shot of making it. I hate having to wait for a special team every four to five years. And here, here's what I want to leave you with, and this I think will be the last thing that I say. She said, I say that too, but those fandoms remind me of Patriots fans. And F that. <laughs> During our lifetime, our teams will win, and even if I am 100 years old, that shit will feel better than any dynasty championship. My, my main response to that is the window between those teams is starting to shrink. And if there's any hope in this painter area it's that and i think we're retooling quick again so yeah hopefully oh yeah i i mean you're rooting for tom brady now so you're pretty much a patriots fan anyway, i know so it's so horrible you get both ends of it yep congrats all right folks <laughs> there we go hopefully you found a way to uh, kind of release some stress by listening to this can we can we have a little little conversation if someone at the end of a season like this can't stand it and they hate it and they've got some criticisms that doesn't mean they're not a fan. There's a line. Yeah, the line, a line isn't being broken about a loss. No. The line is, you know, threatening that a player needs to be punched or... Yes, which we saw on our message board and we had to ban people, so yes. enjoy that. So people can care and be distraught, and that's just part of the breakup. Like, you break up with each team when they don't win a tournament. Like, that's what it is. You need those two to three months to recover and fall in love with the next one. So maybe you don't get to define other people's fandoms. And maybe that should be your new cause, but this is rough on all of us. So just, it's hard being a fan because you don't control it. Yep. So to quote Jerry Springer, take care of yourselves <laughs> and each other. <laughs> Till next time, I'm Andrew Ledman. Boiler up. <laughs> Boiler up.